Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 8th of February. I'm Robert Bowick. I'm joined today by CEC Leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. On today's show, we have one subject. Royal Commission fail. Your deposits are still in danger, but it has turbocharged the fight to break up the banks. So, Craig, that's the subject of today. Let me begin by saying this Royal Commission report, which you've got here. Yeah, it looks impressive, Robbie. I mean, 1,133 pages pages of report there is so bad that it's good. And we're going to show people why they actually should be happy about the process. But the, the report itself is terrible. And this document beside it, which includes 14 pages of our bill to break up the banks. Let's do a comparison here, Robbie. That's the thing, yeah, right. Okay. Those 14 yeah. pages there, <coughs> there will do more to fix the Australian banking system than the 1,133 pages in that report. And those 14 pages will be introduced into the Senate on Tuesday morning, next Tuesday, by Pauline Hanson. So, and that's what we'll go through now, because this, what this has done by trying to stop separation, it's just turbocharged it. So let's go through that. Um, the first hint, Craig, we had that something was up came when Hand, Hain, Justice Hain, Commissioner Hain, handed over his report to Josh Frydenberg. Now, that would have been when we were recording this show last week, yep. right? Yes. So they have this photo opportunity. Um, a lot of the viewers might have seen it by now, but it's a classic. What you can see in this, in this video is real tension. Just like that. We get a hand shake or something between. Nope. <laughs> no? Could you look at me, sir, if that's our attention? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You. We may be getting you just shifting it to him. That's all right. It's just it's done. Thank you. Oh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, look, on, on the one hand, yes, Hayne is the kind of guy that doesn't want to participate in an MP's photo opportunity. But on the other hand, you know, you're allowed to be a little bit civil, right? I see real tension in that pick, and that's what everyone's talking about in that shot. So that's what everyone's talking about. Hayne wasn't happy. And now you've got to ask, there's, there's extra dimensions to this, particularly the fact that we now know within a day of the becoming finally public on Monday, what happened to bank shares? They went up. They went, they soared. You would have expected them to go through the floor, Robbie. Look, this is a report that's supposed to fix up the banking system, fundamentally change it, and instead, that's what, that, what happened on the stock market tells you what's in that report, right? This is glee from the banks. Mm-hmm. It's glee from the main people who oppose the Royal Commission, and those are the jerks at the Australian Financial Review. So this is the, the, the Financial Review. I'm going to read you some backlash comments in a minute. But the Financial Review said, I mean, this is the, these are the people who said, no, we can't have a Royal Commission. No, this would be terrible. And, 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 and when we had a Royal Commission, then they kept saying, this Royal Commission has to stay within its very strict boundaries and it cannot look at structural separation. That's, That's what right. it said, right? So they said on Tuesday, woohoo! Hayne does not find that banks have been irresponsibly lending willy-nilly. He rejects calls to, end cons- to extend consumer protection laws. Thankfully as well, Commissioner Hayne does not recommend banding so-called vertical integration in which a bank or wealth management wealth manager sells products it also manufactures. And so this is the Fin Review, right? Yep. Yes, right. this is great. The stock market, yes, this is great. 
Um, is Kenneth Hayne, if I were Kenneth Hayne, Craig, I'd be embarrassed by that, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely embarrassed. Um, so why is this happening? Well, it's what the Royal Commission said. It's what the Finance Review said, sorry. He didn't recommend ending vertical integration. He didn't recommend a structural separa separation of the banks. So, Craig, remind the viewers why that one issue is the most crucial overarching issue. Well, Robbie, in the last 30 years, we've had a process of the breakdown of what we call Glass-Steagall controls in our country, whereby these private banks have been allowed to get access to people's deposits. But not just that. They've been allowed to participate in all sorts of speculation. What they and do with them, yeah. And they take those deposits and they put them at risk. So we've had a movement since uh, 2013 within our own organisation to stop a process called bail-in, which is where the banks can literally steal people's deposits to, to bail them out of a situation like we had with the global financial crisis back in 2009. That they get into by their own gambling. Exactly. And the point is with the bank separation that we've uh, called for here in this legislation, which is going to be tabled again next Tuesday, we're saying that we need to have a normal commercial banking system, a retail banking system is another term for it, which is completely separated from all this other gambling activity in merchant banking, investment banking, you know, things like insurance companies, stockbroking houses that have all become one entity under these big banks Big now. supermarkets, effectively. Financial yeah, and services they're selling their own products. The same bank is manufacturing and selling the same products with inside its own institution. And we're saying, no, banking is banking. Banking you have very strict controls on, you protect deposits, and you stop those deposits from being used for speculative purposes. That's Glass-Steagall. That's what we're proposing in this bill. And, of course, as impressive as it may look, that's not recommended in here. No, it's not recommended. And in fact, what, what Haynes says, in the section where Haynes deals with this in the report, what he says is, enforced separation of product and advice would be a very large step to take. I can't, um, it would be both costly and disruptive. I cannot say that the benefits of requiring separation would outweigh the costs. And a bit later he says, I'm not persuaded that it's necessary to mandate structural separation between product and advice. And that is what the banks erupted in glee over, mm -hmm. right? Whereas what you've just said, and, and if I can put it in slightly different terms, it's, it's quite simple. If a bank doesn't own an insurance company, Craig, it's not going to sell you insurance that you don't need because there's nothing in it for the bank. That's right. If a bank doesn't own a financial advice business, it's not going to suck you into giving bad financial advice, into take, getting bad financial advice because there's nothing in it for the bank. That's right. So what Haynes saying is, oh no, we don't have to break them up. So you remove the conflict of interest entirely. The banks can, and, and the regulators, which have failed miserably, mm -hmm. Oh, they can, they can do it better this time. No, 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 no. And it, Rob, it's not like the banks aren't going to be profitable if they're broken up. I mean, but they may not be returning 13%. 13, that's right. Right, on these huge profit margins on the, on the shares, right? That it might go down to something like globally is, you know, more like a 5, 6, 7% return or something. That, even that's high, right? So the point is that the argument that it's going to be a costly exercise because banks are going to become less profitable is a complete nonsense. No. And, and if you say that, and then the, the, the twisted argument, really twisted argument, Craig, is, oh, well, most Australians are the investors in banks for their super funds, so they will suffer if the banks aren't um, as profitable as they were. Uh, well, that profit is coming out of their pockets, though. They are being gouged in the here and now for profits that are supposedly they're going to benefit from when they retire. And no. the thing on the other side of that, Robbie, these super funds are investing in, in these bail-inable bonds, which have got higher yeah, returns, yeah, yeah. sold by these banks, right, which means that when the banks get into trouble, at some point in the future, 
those bonds basically disappear and people's super savings get lost. Yep. And see, this is the, the duplicity of these, uh, these banks. So we're going to talk about in, a, in, a, in, the, coming, in the next segment or two um, how the rigging of this came about, how they got this, made sure Hain didn't recommend this. But in the meantime, I just want to give a few quotes to um, prove to people how this is actually by, by trying to s squash structural separation, they've only turbocharged it. So what's interesting is the number of people have come out in the media and saying and, and slamming the Royal Commission because of this one issue. So let me just read you some of the quotes. Alan Kohler, who's probably Australia's most well-known financial commentator, he said, Kenneth Haynes' final report was a stiff and eloquent ticking off of the financial services industries, but it is also a failure. Specifically, his decision to not call for the separation of product and advice is both inexplicable, inexplicable and egregious. Tom Elliott said on 3AW, Quote, it doesn't sound like anything is going to fundamentally change for the banks. They're not being broken up. Nobody is going to jail. To me, this seems like a bit of a slap on the wrist with a wet lettuce leaf. Martin North of Digital Finance Analytics said the big question, which was hooked into the long grass, was structural separation between product sales and manufacturer and advice. This, to me, is a root cause of the conflicts and bad behaviour. Adele Ferguson, who probably deserves most of the credit for getting this Royal Commission going, she said, quote, for those Australians hoping for structural separation of the banks, an overhaul of the regulators or heads on sticks, Royal Commissioner Kenneth Haynes' verdict would have been disappointing. And Adam Crichton said, no criminal referrals were made. There was no ban on so-called vertical integration, which allows different types of financial entities to own each other, as some had feared. Let's take a break and we'll continue this afterwards. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're discussing Royal Commission fail. Your deposits are still in danger, but it has turbocharged the fight to break up the banks. Um, Craig, before the break, we'll, we're reading all the, the commentary of these well-known media financial commentators on how this was the issue. Hain failed on, on, by not recommending separation. The most interesting one, though, came from Michael Pascoe. So Michael Pascoe is a well-known financial journalist. He used to work for Channel 9 for a long time, etc. In his contribution on this in the New Daily, he, he had a scoop. He revealed that there had been this spike in trading on the stock market at 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday. Now, that's when there was supposed to be a lockup. None of this was leaked until 10 minutes past 4 on the Monday night after mm -hmm. the markets had closed. But at 11 o'clock, suddenly the bank shares rallied. And everyone knows it was a, an insider trading leak and they're illegal. But what was the leak about is the question. Well, guess what it was about? Pasco wrote, it appears the leak that the banks would be fine didn't initially extend to AMP. The necessary nod there was that vertical integration of wealth management would be allowed to continue against most observers' expectation, and certainly mine. Um, uh, the preservation of vertical integration, allowing an institution to own financial advisors, the investment platform they use, and provide products for them to sell, seem to me to be dead for all money. The inherent conflicts of the model are obvious, or so I would have thought. So that's Pasco weighing in on how it should have been done, but the more, more important point there is, this is what the leak was about. So of all the things that these corrupt banks had set themselves up to make sure was leaked to them, mm -hmm. tell us if we've been broken up. Mm -hmm. When are politicians going to get this in their head? This is the issue. There's lots of other issues. 
There, there needs to be remediation for the victims. There needs to be bankers go to all those things are true, right? There's lots of actually good recommendations, specific recommendations in the port report, but they amount to nothing if you don't break up the banks. And the banks are proving by their actions it's the issue. If they were willing to break the law for an insult to, to go on an insider trading spree on Monday on on this issue, it proves it, right? Yeah. So this is a bigger question for Labor now, because uh -huh. Labor it, what, is demanding an inquiry into this leak. And that's great, Labor. Bill Shorten said, we've got to get to the bottom. This was an illegal leak. We've got to get to the bottom of it. But Bill Shorten also has to look at the, what the leak was about. Yes. Because, Bill, you have to be the, you are going to be responsible for protecting the banks or protecting the people by whether you break them up or not. Uh, Robbie, remember this is happening in the context. The global financial crisis was never fixed. We still have enormous amounts of speculation in the yep. system. The entire global financial system is on a knife edge with the amount of debt that's in the system and no one is dealing with it. You only have to look at the derivatives holdings of Australian banks, for example, which they cover up. You only have to look yep. at the European Union and what's taking place over there. You have the whole Brexit issue coming up again. So look, the entire global financial system is on a knife edge. So Bill Shorten, Look, we're going to have an election very shortly and there's pundits saying that Bill Shorten's going to get elected. Well, that's not actually that certain because if he's not seen to act on the interests of the Australian people based upon what they know and there's more and more uh, outrage about what's taking place, what, what hasn't been done. I mean, you've still got all the victims there and the best thing that the Haynes Royal Commission did was put all the victims on the stand and let the Australian people see well, what these people would... No, sorry, just because I know the victims put some of the victims on well, the stand. Yeah, I should right, say. Not yeah, all the victims, no, I'll they, crucify you for that. They, no, he didn't put enough victims on the stand, but people got to see Nor did he go into a number of the really crucial issues, yeah. like, for example, residential bank securities and the scams that have been built up over that. But what you're saying is what he did show, and the, with the victims he did show, it was quite clear how criminal this and was. And that's Everyone the point. saw that. Now, the same similar thing happened in the original Glass-Steagall Act back in 1933 when you had Pecora, Ferdinand Pecora actually did the same with the bankers then. And the American people saw the corruption yep. and that allowed Franklin Roosevelt to come in and establish the Glass-Steagall Act because the banks themselves, a number of the, those banks, realised, look, we've been caught here, we've been shown as criminals, we can no longer yep. uh, act on this behaviour. And that's, and that's, that's the point, because people might think, has oh, is, is the CEC changed their mind the Royal Commission because we spent all last year saying how great it was? No, the hearings were great. But he was given a bad terms of reference at the beginning, which we'll talk about more in a second, and his final report adheres to that bad terms of reference. What happened in the middle was excellent. Mm. That can't, the, in fact, the final report, the punishment, doesn't fit the crime that he proved in his hearings. And the thing about right. royal commissions, Robbie, is we've always said you don't have a royal. The government doesn't have a royal commission unless you already know what the, the solution. Good. The I'm glad you raised that be. because that's where we're going to go to now. So the first part about that, as as you said, um, just saying that there hasn't been any change since the global financial crisis. We know the bank has got to control the response to the to the global financial crisis that they cause. That happened globally. The bankers have tried to run every step of this as well, and in in collusion with the the government, which specifically, Craig, means the Treasury, mm -hmm. because there's a revolving door between the Treasury and the bankers. So one of the revelations that has come out, thanks to the ACTU, they've, they, they um, went on this uh, Freedom of Inform Information exercise to grab the letters that everyone knew that the banks had written a letter to Malcolm Turnbull on the 29th of November, basically approving the Royal Commission, or supposedly calling for it. So now we've got those letters. I'm not going to go through the all the specific details. Listen to... Sally McManus explained what the letters were. 
So the ACTU put in a freedom of information request to find out what correspondence was there between Scott Morrison and the head of the banks in the lead up to the Royal Commission being called. And this is what we found. On the 29th of November last year, Ken Henry, who's the head of the NAB, wrote to Scott Morrison and dear Treasurer in this particular letter, which as you can see is titled Draft. The other thing you can see on this letter, it says, for the purposes of discussion. Now, what does it include? Of course, it includes a whole lot of things saying how great the banks are and how they've been held up to scrutiny and that there's no problems. But the other things it says is it makes comments on how long they think the Royal Commission should go for, the type of person who should be the commissioner, what the terms of reference should look like, and of course, the scope of the Royal Commission. So that was a letter sent to Scott Morrison on the day before the Royal Commission was called by Ken Henry. At that point, it was a draft. The very next day, what happened is Scott Morrison received another email from Ken Henry. He received this at 7.28 in the morning, and that um, email included this time the same letter, but for discussion is removed at the top. And as you can see, it no longer says draft. And what does it say? pretty much exactly the same thing as the first letter. A few little changes here and there, but nothing of substance. And at the end, it is now signed by the heads of the big four banks. So how could it be that you call a royal commission and you consult the very people who have been now found to have been engaged in a whole lot of um, criminal behaviour? How can you can consult them about the about the uh, commission and about how it's held and about who the commissioner should be and about how long it, it should go for. And it really goes to the heart of the problem, doesn't it? This commission was set up in a way to limit the damage to the big four banks, to mean that there wasn't going to be systematic changes to the heart of the problem that the commission finds, a problem of being driven by profits and by greed. Scott Morrison has got a whole lot of questions he needs to answer about working hand in glove with the big four banks. Now, Craig, that was, I should say, she's, that's Sally McManus is the ACTU secretary, right? right? So that's, yes, yes. That's, that's, that tells you everything you need to know. As, as one of the main whistleblowers said, Jeff Morris, he said the banks literally wrote their own ticket. As we right? suspected, Robbie, yep. because the Liberal Party politicians are in the, the, in the pockets of the banks. Now, Ken Henry, though, I mean, Ken Henry's just bit the dust mm -hmm. as of now, right? So he's, he's warned this. He, he was the one writing those letters, right? No one is totally untouchable, but it's... It's easy for the banking system to expel a Ken Henry so they can keep themselves going. That's right. right? And that's, that's uh, the issue. Not really expelling him, Rob. He's just moving on to another. Well, one, one what people should not accept is the term heads rolling. Yeah. His head has not rolled. Andrew Thorburn's head has not rolled. These guys will get fat payouts, right? And they'll be set for life. Yep. All right, let's take a quick break. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're discussing Royal Commission fail. Your deposits are still in danger, but it has turbocharged the fight to break up the banks. So, Craig, as we've just been showing, everyone is now focused on this question of breaking up the banks, right? And, and this, is, this is great because it means the, if the government thought they'd, they'd killed it off with the, with the sham of this report, um, this is going to blow up in their face. One of the things that's happened is um, people are, are now questioning, well, look, 
this was so obviously rigged, how was it done? So we played the video before the break of, of Sally McManus from the ACTU showing through that, that they wrote the letters to the, to the banks, wrote the letter approving it, etc., and actually giving instructions on, on the parameters of the Royal Commission. Another way is through, you know, they appoint a, the, 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 um, when they set up an inquiry like this, they appoint an, an independent person. And I'm not, we're not casting aspersions personally on Ken, Ken, Ken Hain here, right? He's an independent person and he gets to appoint his counsel's assisting, right? And Rowena Orr and, and Michael Hodge and these guys were brilliant in those hearings. But an 1133-page report like this is not written by Kenneth Hain. It's written by the Secretariat. And the Secretariat is this massive body of, you know, 30-odd staff or so who are picked by the Treasury. And the Treasury is a, a body that, going back to 2013, has been um, replying to us and CEC supporters saying there will not be a structural separation. The banks are totally opposed to it. The Treasury has a revolving door between them and the banks. So Ken Henry left Treasury. He was mm -hmm. Secretary of the Treasury to go to be the head of the NA, chairman of NAB. John Fraser, who was Treasury Secretary until middle of last year, he had come from UBS. He had started off in Treasury, went and spent 20 years at UBS, one of the biggest, dirtiest investment banks in the world, did a stint at Treasury, and now he's gone to, to AMP, right? This is a revolving door. They, are, they have a shared interest, this institution of Treasury and the banks, right? They've got the, same, the game rigged in that sense. Um, so when they get to pick the secretariat that does the most of the re reporting here, the, write, the actual writing, that's how they can make sure that the, they get the outcome they want. Ken Haynes' job as the commissioner, he's, he gives them notes, etc., to, 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 of, of what the things he wants to recommend and all those things, but then he has to proofread it. Well, you try and proofread 1,133 pages of stuff, right? Over the Christmas holidays, for crying yes. out loud. So this is a, there's, there's so much scope here. And Dr. Wilson Sy has um, blown the whistle on this. He's called it, this is in the uh, Treasury's Dirty Trick in Haynes' report. He also makes the point that not only do you have the Secretariat ability to influence how, what, what says in the report, but we were getting last year from politicians, and Treasury would have known this, politicians were saying to us on bank separation, we'll see what Hain recommends, we'll see what Hain recommends. And Wilson Sy's main point, Craig, is that, hang on, the, the terms of reference specifically forbade Hain from looking into it. Yeah. Right? He wasn't supposed to go there. He didn't spend any time on it in the hearings. That's right. Yet there's a recommendation in the report not to do it. That's right. That is a dirty trick. Yep. There is the, the recommendation in this report not to break up vertical integration has no legitimacy. It, it's not backed up by research or anything, right? It's just in there that Treasury would have made sure it's inserted in there to be able to, sh to try and shy off the politicians. And it has global implications, Robbie, because, look, this is the issue globally. Break up the banks. Well, they haven't got away with it because, as we said at the beginning, on Tuesday, Pauline Hanson will introduce this bill into the Senate. It's on the Senate notice paper, 1329 for Tuesday. Leader of Pauline Hanson's One Nation to move, quote, that the following bill be introduced, a bill for an act to re-establish confidence in the banking system to separate retail commercial banking activities involving the holding of deposits from wholesale and investment banking involving risky activities and for other purposes, banking system reform, separation of banks bill 2018. So that fight has just received a huge shot on the arm. It's been turbocharged. As we always say, get involved, get active, call your politicians, tell them this is garbage and they have to get behind get, this bill. Get the Australian Alert Service, Robbie, because you've got some brilliant articles in there that go through this in detail, which we haven't had a chance to really So cover. call our toll-free number for the elaboration in this. But, Craig, thanks very much for yeah, joining us today. Robbie. Thank you to the viewer for tuning in.